Since October 2nd, 2015, the S&P 500 has increased almost 70%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has increased around 65%. And in comparison to a single company like Apple, Apple stock price has increased a whopping 305% over the same time period. The most recent data I could track regarding stock ownership shows that the top 1% of households owned 38% of stock market wealth and the top 10% own 81% of stock wealth. And then the next 10% or the 80th to 90th percentile owned about 11% of stock market wealth and the bottom 80% of households own just 8% of stock market wealth. Today we will discuss some concepts around investing in stocks that you should consider and a few basic metrics from starting to evaluate a company or an index fund. This is the Good Samaritan Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Jackson. Let's get into our first episode discussing stock market investing. Welcome back to the Good Samaritan Podcast. Sorry for the uh, short-term hiatus. I'm coming to you from Port Aransas, Texas. Uh, Beautiful beach. If you're in this part of the country, I would definitely recommend it. Our normal cruise ship trip that we take every year uh, obviously got uh, sidetracked by COVID. So uh, we got forced to look at another option. I can say I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, But uh, sorry for the short hiatus. Uh, as things at work start to get back rolling towards a new normal, I'll call it. Um, getting kind of settled in that kind of has put pause on the on the podcast. But now that we're back in a regular routine, there, I'm glad to to get back to the show. Uh, which in today's show we're gonna talk about stocks. Uh, if you kind of go back to the intro, um, one of the big things I'll point out is just the amount or at least the demographics when it comes to um, net worth family households who who invest in the stock market. Uh, the top 10% of households uh, in America own 81% of the net worth in the stock in stocks. Um, and and even even better yet, the top 1% almost own half of what of that amount. So uh, really stark numbers there. Um, 80% of you know households in America own 8% of the of the wealth in stocks. Uh, and there's been a lot of discussion with the increasing of the stock market uh, since COVID. Obviously, there was a big, a huge dip in March, obviously, uh, but a really quick recovery. And, you know, a lot of the times when you're understanding pricing of a stock, it's just about outstanding stocks and who's buying and who's selling uh, in the pool of people who are in the market are typically wealthier um, typically have more uh, cash available. And uh, because those higher household groups weren't impacted as much, uh, the, the stock market has been able to bounce back uh, fairly quickly. I think it was the record. It was, a, I think the America set records for the stock market. I think it was the fastest decline and then the fastest recovery uh, on record. Um, and some of that's just driven by the kind of people who own stocks. Uh, so as the economy kind of waned uh, and really starts to get tough for a number of households around the country, I think one of the realities is, is that a lot of the people negatively impacted 
uh, didn't own that much, didn't have that much money in the stock market anyway. So it doesn't really impact the the net. It doesn't really impact the pricing fluctuations as much uh, because whatever money that they may have been making, they weren't putting it in the stock market, which when which leads to not being impacted as much. So uh, just a quick, uh, quick um, reflection there off the off the intro. Uh, the other big piece from the intro you'll notice was. Uh, the growth just in the last five years for the S&P, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and the uh, I, I use an example for Apple because uh, I actually own some some Apple I bought a few years ago and it's it's been a it's been very profitable to own Apple thus far. Uh, but I did want to show like just some of the differences uh, between owning say an index fund uh, versus an individual stock. Obviously, there will also be uh, different levels of risk when you're talking about differences between the two, but we'll we'll talk about how you assess some of that risk in today's show. Uh, but yeah, I mean S and P 500 still pretty good investment over the last five years um, is up through September 25th 70 percent, even with the huge dip uh, experienced in March over the last five years. Uh, the S and P 500 has returned you 70 percent on your money. So if you put if you had a thousand dollars in your in your in the S and P uh, five years ago, uh, it would have returned seven hundred dollars, and all you had to do is keep your money in there. So, um, we'll talk a little bit more about obviously the more you invest, the the bigger your returns uh, will be. Um, but yeah, those are those are things I definitely want you to start considering, starting to look at, uh, and how stocks build wealth. Uh, over time uh, is a good example of just tracking the S&P over the last five years. And then when you look at a company like Apple and you look at their stock price over the exact same time period, the last five years, you see that they returned 305%. So that same $1,000 uh, is now worth $4,050. So you turn, you're able to flip $1,000 uh, and turn it into $4,050. Uh, based on their stock's performance, uh, so that's all on the you know on the green side, and uh, stocks can also go very red, and you can uh, you can lose your money for sure. Uh, but just some good examples to compare uh, index fund growth versus uh, deciding to put money into an individual stock. Uh, sometimes the the returns can be very lucrative. The thing to remember about the S and P, a portion of the S and P index. Uh, includes Apple. It's the top 500 companies uh, in the country. And then Dow Jones is actually the top 30 uh, companies uh, in the country is what it tracks. So, but awesome. I uh, Let's hop into this episode. I'm, I'm excited to start it. Um, stocks is a great way to help diversify your portfolio. Uh, a portfolio that could include, like as we've talked in uh, prior episodes, whether it be like real estate or uh, you own your own business or you want to own franchises of businesses, um, stocks can also be a wealth generating uh, avenue for you as well. And something you should consider to be a part of your portfolio. Uh, based on the demographics I mentioned, I hope uh, if it, the best thing I would like to get done is to uh, communicate to that 80% that stocks are worthwhile to spend time uh, understanding and researching uh, so that you can uh, 
that that part of the population can recognize the opportunity and the value that the stock market brings uh, so that we can have a better dispersal of wealth uh, in the country. But as I've told many of my friends, uh, I'm here to, to, to lead you to the water. You know, I'm sure you've heard the whole adage, you can you can lead horses to water, but you can't make them drink. So uh, at least I'm here to lead. So um, let's hop into it. Uh, one of the, the things I like to start off with uh, with when it comes to stock investing, and we'll talk about some of the beginner uh, research things that you want to look into. But before we get there, um, investing in the stock market has can be a very uh, emotional roller coaster. Uh, there, there are actually a lot of psychological things that can help you be better uh, at performing in the stock market. Um, and investing overall, the things that, that should be understood. Uh, I'm sure you've heard uh, discussions uh, or things people discuss regard uh, panic buying and panic selling. Uh, these are just all people um, succumbing to their whims or their emotions on a particular time or day, which is why we have fluctuations uh, in the stock market. It may not be about um, the actual fundamentals of a business, but more so uh, speculation about a business or a company uh, or an industry. Tesla, f for example, for a long time uh, was based on speculation. Um, and what I mean by that is Tesla was not profitable for a very long time. I think they're, they only have shown profits the last, I think, four, four quarters, um, which is about two years. And it may not be that long, but I'd have to go look. Um, but before that, Tesla's stock price has been astronomically high uh, compared to the actual earnings or profit that it generated. Uh, and that's driven by speculation. That's uh, people uh, essentially making a big bet on what Tesla's future is. And we'll talk about how you can um, assess that future uh, using the price earnings ratio. But we'll get to that uh, here in a moment. Uh, but to get to the, the kind of the emotional psychological part. So the, the first part I would the kind of the first ground rule I would like you to come to understand um, about investing, particularly in the stock market, is every every investment that you make, uh, whether it be stock market or, or else, anything else, uh, has an inherent risk. Um, and what that means is, is there's no guarantee that you will make a profit. There's also no guarantee that your money will go come out the same amount that it went into an investment. Uh, and there's also no guarantee that you won't lose all your money um, putting that money on an investment. And the reason why I bring this inherent risk up is that you have to if if being in the stock market is something that's for you, this is something that you'll have to learn to uh, either develop an appetite for or learn how to weather through the storm and, and building the wealth, uh, building wealth through uh, using investing in the stock market. I will say that investing in stocks is not uh, for everyone, as you can tell from uh, the demographics I've mentioned. And even inside the stock market, there are different levels uh, to the risk factors that are involved. So an index fund is a great way to diversify. It's a great way to hedge against any inherent risk because you're pretty much like the S&P 500. Your money is pretty much spread out over 500 companies. Uh, so any given time or any given day, a portion of those companies 
are exploding in growth and a portion of those companies are losing uh, is are losing uh, value uh, based on what their uh, future uh, prospects look like. Uh, but it's balanced out. It's diversified because you're in so many companies. Uh, the main goal is to achieve growth by, you know, by reducing your risk, by averaging out the growth that you can have by, by, by being in an index fund like that. Whereas if you decide to invest in a company like just Apple, for example, um, you take on a lot more risk compared to an index fund because you're um, hopefully you've done research. But say you have it and whether you have or not, you're making a uh, educated guess or estimate that Apple's going to do really well uh, in the future. Um, because of the technologies they have or maybe because of the executives or the people that they have over at Apple or maybe it's be uh, because of the prospects of some of the innovations uh, that they're coming out with or the network that they have or you believe that the the iPhone is the uh, best smartphone on the market and there's nothing else coming close to being competitively um, in their atmosphere with competing for customers which uh, me being someone who's not a who's a who's a Apple investor, but not I don't actually don't own a lot of Apple app products. I actually prefer uh, Samsung as a user. Um, but the data is pretty clear that Apple has owns large shares of the uh, smartphone market and it has been really challenging for uh, com competition to really bite away, uh, take away from Apple. Um, so that's just a brief example there, but you're, you're making a bet. If you believe in uh, Apple's uh, prospects for the future being that strong, you put your money there uh, and you watch it grow. Uh, so that's just the initial thing. Just to remember, there is inherent risk um, with being in stocks. And the best way to hedge that is to research um, and really uh, look at some different data points and different uh, prospects for a company's future growth. Uh, to help hedge against that risk uh, but there is risk involved and if it's something that you can't emotionally or psychologically handle because you're so attached to that money um, maybe stock investing isn't for you and maybe there's just some uh, self-reflection there which i would say i would i believe that you can get over it if that if that's the case and the the biggest uh, thing i would say that can help with the um, emotional reckless or the emotional stress uh, with investing in stocks is only use money that you're willing to lose. Uh, if you can, if you only have $500 or $1,000 or um, make sure it's money that you don't mind losing. If you lost all of it the next day, it doesn't, it doesn't impact your uh, financial situation. That's kind of the mindset you're trying to get to. You only want to use disposable income. Um, and I would say plenty of Americans have plenty of disposable income. We can look around. Uh, it, sometimes it's just as much as not going out one night, one night a week uh, to save that money and decide to put that money on Apple instead, instead of buying uh, a three course meal uh, for one evening a week. Uh, just to get started is somewhere to, to start. Uh, the next round rule I would kind of mention um, is you know, kind of understanding that you that risk is inherent and it's there. Uh, you can lose money in the stock market and you will uh, lose money, even though that loss may not be realized until you officially make a sale uh, on some stocks you own. But yeah, you could you could buy 
any stock, any index fund today, and it could drop by 2% the next day. Uh, it could drop by 20% in a month. Uh, if you bought pretty much anything on March 1st, by March the 15th, it cratered 30, 40, 30, 40% potentially. Um, and you would have quote unquote, at least on paper, you know, lost that money that that hundred dollars or a thousand dollars turned into seven hundred dollars overnight. Um, and learning how to to write out dips uh, are really important. Um, losing money or seeing the numbers go down is just a part of investing. If you're thinking about the long term, uh, the S and P I believe delivers seven percent year over year gains. I think it's done that like the last thirty or forty years. If I go back and look in the in the data, um, but in the long term and generally the in general the stock market market goes up. Um, there's a reason why you hear uh, examples of Warren Buffett saying if he could just buy his investments and close the whole, you know, stock market index for five years, he would. Because, uh, you know, looking at it day to day is where that emotional and that psychological stress can come in. Uh, because if you follow your 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 investments up close uh, that tightly, uh, if you're investing for the long term, it can be a, a stressful exercise. Um, this is only, you know, in in uh, reference to long term investing or actually buying companies, uh, not so much uh, in regards to trading or being a day trader, uh, someone who's buying options, etc. Um, I will save that for another episode. We won't talk about options trading on, on this show or at least not on today's episode, um, but mostly just investing in companies. You can lose money. Uh, once you can deal with that reality, uh, you can learn how to profit and, and investing in the stock market can be very profitable. Uh, when those dips come um, are typically the times you want to buy. Uh, this actually will lead to my next uh, kind of ground rule is uh, one of the things you hear in the stock about stock market investing is um, you want to buy low and sell high. It is a very, very simple concept uh, to understand. <laughs> um, but actually doing it when it happens is actually really the is the is the harder part uh, to achieve. I One of my uh, good friends, I guess, has been saying this since college, but um, it kind of lends to the, the whole thought process of, you know, scared money doesn't make money. Um, and then when you think about buying low and selling high is kind of the application of the scared money doesn't make money uh, attitude. When you're buying low, you are choosing to be you are choosing to not go with the herd. So typically on dips and big dips like you might have experienced in March, any day of the stock market. Whenever it whenever the price is going down, that means there are more sellers than there are buyers, which means the herd is selling. Everyone is selling. Um, but if you're buying low, you're choosing to do the opposite. Uh, making money in the market is legitimately choosing to do the opposite of what is popular in that moment. Uh, and it really it really uh, makes me think of a few quotes there just about life in general. But 
being kind of being successful in investing is learning how to keep your head uh, when everyone else around you is losing theirs. There, there are a lot of people who recognize that uh, that quote there from a, a famous poem, but. Um, it, it rings true in, in stock investing. If you can keep your head when everyone else is losing theirs, it can become very profitable uh, for you. I, um, uh, uh, the most recent example of a, a stock I purchased, um, which it, which will lead to another another uh, tenant I want you to to understand, is actually in March uh, when there was Warren Buffett would call when there's blood in the streets. That's when you want to be optimistic. That's when you want to be aggressive. That's when you want to buy. And in March, there was blood in the streets. I mean, the stock market had pretty much crashed. Um, and if you had a little money and you invested it, I mean, at the time, if you it almost could you could almost I won't say you couldn't have bought anything because airlines you would have you would have not done well. Um, but you could have bought. Uh, retail. You could have bought um, tech stocks. You could have bought a lot of stocks that were on huge discounts. Um, and my personal example is actually Royal Caribbean. So I bought Royal. The the cruise lines are still shut down at this very moment. Um, I actually bought a little bit of Royal Caribbean um, because I don't know if there's any other time that you could. Um, con- you know, a, a business's complete operations don't get shut down very often. When they get shut down, that makes people scared. Some people think businesses will go, uh, businesses will go out of, um, or you know, companies will go out of business. And because people were scared, they wanted to lock in their profits that they might have had for World Caribbean, and it drove the price super low. So I bought a little bit. Uh, fortunately, you know. Going down, and, and this is where I talk about the inherent risk. Was I willing to lose that money? Absolutely, I were. At the time, in March, you don't know if, if cruise com- the cruise companies who can't sail because of CDC guidelines or government shutting down their uh, ability to operate, whether they can survive or not as companies. I personally, uh, my family and I, we use Royal Caribbean very uh, annually. They're, they're one of the big players in the cruise line industry. And I essentially looked at it, looked at their numbers, looked at, did some of the research. But ultimately, I felt like, you know what? I think Royal Caribbean can make it through this, uh, through this downturn, which is basically what I thought. I believed in them enough that they could. So I bought some stock, didn't look at it for a little while. Uh, and next thing you know, it's starting, to, it's starting to bump up as people start to become more optimistic about the pandemic and as things are happening. Uh, and even that little investment that I made, you know, it's up 60 percent, all because of uh, really taking in the idea of buying low and selling high. You want to buy the dips, but the psychological and the emotional part about buying dips are everyone's typically scared during a dip. Everyone's typically selling during a dip. If you asked if you were in a room with 10 people one person is probably buying and the other nine people are selling. Are you able to keep your mind, keep your head when those around you are losing theirs uh, and buy instead? And that's the thing I'd like you to consider when it comes to uh, investing in the stock market. The people who make money have the uh, emotional and psychological aptitude uh, to weather storms and not do the opposite and the opposite being uh, 
uh, buy high and sell low because you, you, that happens all the time. Uh, a lot of people buy at the top of the market and to cut their losses, they sell uh, as the dip comes. And over time, what you'll realize is, oh, damn, I buy, I, I spend $100 on the stock, I lose 30, I sell it, get my $70 out, I go buy another stock. It drops another, you know, I buy for 70, it drops 10. I sell it because I want to cut my losses. Now I got 60, <laughs> I got 60. And plus you pay fees on those trades that you make. So if you can um, really understand the psychological, emotional aptitude necessary to be in the stock market or to invest in stocks, you can become profitable. If it's something that you don't think you can stomach or able to uh, overcome or able to ride out and understand over the long term, again, maybe another a vehicle uh, such as real estate, which is more conservative a vehicle to invest in uh, or opening a business, business, etc. The only thing I would say is, is that invest in something. Uh, and I have a whole nother episode on that, but invest in something. The upside of stocks are very profitable uh, and are things that are um, should not be overlooked because you can make a lot of money uh, in the market. Uh, I'm very proud of my positions uh, and the decisions I made to be in NVIDIA and Apple years ago. Um, this was the first time I was able to experience a stock split after I already owned a stock. Um, and I'm very, I'm very happy with those decisions. Uh, but I do have bad ones as well. Um, another another tenant I will say is or another rule I will explain is is invest in what you know uh, and if you don't know it research it until you know it before you put your money in it so why do you want to invest in what you know well uh, again as I mentioned the inherent risk with investing you want to do everything that's in your power to hedge against that risk uh, some people would compare investing in the stock market as being uh, the exact same as gambling. I actually would disagree. Gambling has a set amount of odds. So like if you're for gambling with Powerball, you have a one in, I think it's 302 million chance of winning the, the mega millions um, with Investing, and the, again, we're not talking about options trading, uh, but purely just investing uh, in a company or owning stock or shares within a company. Uh, you have the opportunity to hedge against risk because you uh, may be looking at key indicators of future performance, whether that's a price to earnings ratio. Uh, you might be looking at the balance sheet. You might be uh, following the weekly, monthly news cycles within an industry to help you decide whether a company is a good future investment or not. Um, I learned this lesson early on. Uh, two couple of examples. Uh, when I was much younger, fresh out of college, I was started to watch CNBC because I wanted to know more about uh, investing. Uh, and I'll never forget that first week. I, I don't think I really understood what they talked about on the whole show most of the time. Uh, but they daily talk to different people at different companies uh, on that channel. Um, and 
the first one of the first lessons I learned is you don't buy the good news um, unless you have some long, you know, you have a, a more robust research plan into a company about their prospects for the future. Uh, but I can't remember the company that I bought. I bought an energy company, just a little bit of money. I think it might have been a hundred bucks or so. Um, and I bought that company and shoot pretty much like two days after. I mean, it just dropped. <laughs> Uh, and I didn't understand why um, investing can become gambling if you don't if you're not willing to put in the time and effort to understand an industry and the companies in that industry and what their prospects for the future are, uh, then it definitely can become gambling uh, because you're just you're just throwing darts uh, at a wall. Um, but definitely, you know, a big part of any beginning investors strategy should be to start with what you know uh, and from there build your um, plan or your strategy to research those companies and start small start one to three companies three to five companies uh, definitely stay under 10 if you want to invest in individual companies uh, but also leverage that with index funds there's no either or here you can buy index funds as well as uh, individual companies but research that. You're like, Jason, well, what? I don't know any companies. What do you mean? I don't know. Just look around. I can guarantee you everything that you have within your position has been a product made by a company uh, that you're probably interested in. Um, if you just bought some fresh new Nikes, you should take an opportunity to look at what Nike stock price is. Uh, look at their future prospects for earnings, their past earnings, what their profitability is, uh, what their plans are for the future. Uh, I'm sure you're probably listening on an iPhone potentially right now. Um, Apple is always a great stock to keep up with. It's in the tech sector, uh, but Google as well. Uh, companies like NVIDIA, um, those companies that exist within the same tech industry, are, is a great way to start or you can start industry-wide you could start with uh, the snack food business you could use you know start with companies like PepsiCo or Coca-Cola or Mondelez or uh, there is a ocean of companies that you can invest in and they all have their own uh, opportunities and prospects for growth for the future um, the thing to remember is is you can you can only research in-depthly but so many companies, which is why index funds are and mutual funds are very um, reliable vehicles uh, to use as well as part of your portfolio. But for individual companies, really, you're talking three to five, maybe 10, depending on how much time you have uh, made available to really invest in uh, picking companies uh, based on your strategy and how well you think they will do. And with that, uh, I will start with the beginning um, strategies, I would say, to use as a investor in the stock market. Uh, one of the most common ratios used, which we'll talk about now, is the price to earnings ratio. Uh, it's the most commonly used metric. It doesn't it's not an end all be all metric. Uh, it doesn't tell you everything about a company. Um, but it can be used as a part of an overall strategy to help indicate uh, future future success of a company. So the quick math on the P/E ratio is actually the stock price of the comp company divided by 
uh, the earnings per share of the company. Um, earnings per shares pretty much it's its own uh, its own mathematical equation, but it's uh, the company's total earnings or profitability uh, divided by the outstanding shares. Um, but not to get too much into the math on uh, price to earning ratio, uh, but ultimately it, it aims to help determine whether a company's stock price is overvalued or undervalued. It also can be used to really compare um, companies versus other companies or compare against an industry average, such as the S&P 500, which also has its own P.E. ratio. Easy way to explain this, let's just uh, use an example. So let's take Apple, for instance. Uh, Apple stock price is currently trading at a P.E. ratio of 32.9, which means simply that investor at its current price of $112.28 Uh, An investor is willing to pay uh, almost $33 for every dollar of its current earnings. So at $112 price per share uh, with the P ratio at 32.9, investors are pretty much saying, hey, I'm willing to spend $33 for every one dollar uh, of Apple's current earnings, earnings to own stock uh, in Apple. In comparison, uh, the S and P 500's P ratio is actually sitting at 22.2, so it's actually a lower uh, P E ratio than Apple's. Uh, so investors are not willing to spend as much on S and P as they are for Apple because they have a a much stronger outlook of Apple's success uh, down the road, at least based on the P.E. ratio. Uh, If we compare it to another company uh, in the tech sector, if we look at Amazon, uh, Amazon's P.E. ratio is a whopping 119. Um, So for every dollar of earnings that Amazon has, uh, investors are willing to fork over $119 Uh, Because they're that optimistic on uh, what Amazon can do in the future earnings wise, uh, typically probably around how much market share they can gain, uh, what kind of industries they're involved with from a commercial perspective. Um, So those are just three different examples to kind of help you understand P.E. ratio. Uh, But generally, a high P.E. ratio indicates, as I mentioned, that investors are really uh, expecting higher earnings growth uh, in the future compared to uh, for Amazon, for example, compared to Apple, uh, and then also compared to the S&P 500. So when you're evaluating investment uh, options such as this, uh, P ratio can be a a strong metric you can use, uh, helps you make a decision on whether to, uh, for example, buy Amazon or buy Apple or just you know, buy index fund like the like the S and P uh, five hundred. Uh, remember whether it's high or low. It's it's not a guarantee of future performance. It's more of a description of how investors feel about a specific index fund or a company uh, at that point in time uh, compared to their earnings. Um, it's a good way to kind of kind of match two things together, right? So. 
Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, Tesla for a long time didn't have any earnings, so they wouldn't have a P.E. ratio. Uh, but if you kind of put it into, you know, simpler terms, like people are can be so bullish on a company that has no profitability, uh, which for me personally um, makes me a little uh, weary uh, when it comes to investing. But hey, others are or more, are more bullish uh, than I am and are willing to, to you know, invest in a company that might not even quite be uh, profitable yet because of what it can do in the future. And a lot of people have made a lot of money on Tesla uh, for that fact uh, because they were mo- more bullish on it. And the minute that Tesla did turn profitable, the stock price continued to climb uh, because it's, they, the company finally showed that they could make money uh, based on all the investment they've had over the years. Uh, which helped its, you know, its initial and early on uh, investors. So it brings more people uh, to the party. Um, but just remember, uh, with the P ratio, uh, a high P ratio doesn't mean it, it's not an indicator of right or wrong or good or bad. Uh, a high P ratio uh, can very well mean could be ver- could very well feel uh, justified. Uh, as people might feel with Tesla, even though it's a little, a little higher than than I would have appetite to invest in. Um, but even for Apple versus the S&P 500, uh, it very well may be justified uh, because a lot of the um, price may already be be, be built in uh, for the, the near term growth in the next two to three years, possibly. Uh, and now you might be buying for a growth that you're banking on that will happen in the next five to seven to eight to 10 years uh, based on where the company is now. So um, high P ratios aren't bad. Low P ratios uh, aren't doesn't mean they're necessarily good. Again, it's just to add a metric into your overall strategy to help gauge uh, investment into which companies or which index funds uh, you might prefer uh, to invest in. Um, low P ratios, ultimately, they also can indicate a potential opportunity uh, to buy into a company before others you know, recognize the company's growth potential. Because with your other factors that you've researched, uh, you might have might have found a, uh, a gem in the a gem in the rough. <laughs> um, and that's how you can really use a, a P ratio when you're you're investing. As I mentioned, it's very common to use. It's not as easy as saying if it's high, it's bad. If it's low, it's good. Uh, But it's more so a bet by investors on the growth prospects of that company. And then they fluctuate um, over time as companies get stronger. uh, They discover new technologies. They implement new innovation. uh, They're able to cut costs, for example. Anything that helps them to become more profitable uh, in the short term or the long term. Uh, will ultimately boost their stock price uh, and ultimately will impact their, their PE ratio. Uh, but it ultimately should just be used to help you um, make decisions about companies to, to buy into uh, and to invest in. Uh, the other, the second thing I would mention, there will be three things I'll talk about to end today's episode for uh, what to look for when you're investing. So I'd start with the PE ratio when you're looking at stock prices. Just start with the easiest ratio. We'll get into some more uh, in-depth things down the road. Uh, but secondly, uh, it would be balance sheets. Um, learn to read balance sheets. 
income statements. The as I've mentioned before on this show, we believe in self accountability, and it's even better these days. And I, I would say it probably has ever been in the past uh, because you the level of access you have to information is so significant. Um, you can go look up a bunch of things just a few a few mouse clicks and a few types on the keyboard. Uh, you can find out a lot of information. Uh, so balance sheets and uh, actual actually add uh, annual reports because uh, you kind of need those two things together. Uh, you can use a website like Fidelity uh, to look at balance sheets. Um, you can use you can go to the actual company's website. So if you go to Apple's website or PepsiCo or Coca-Cola or Exxon, there's always an investor tab. Uh, where they where you can see uh, communication that comes from the executives over at those companies that they send out to investors uh, in those companies. Uh, those include uh, quarterly dividend uh, reports. They include quarterly earnings reports. Uh, your balance sheets are typically uh, quarterly or annually. Uh, but you, there are a number of places you can go find the information. So what do I need to look for on a balance sheet? Uh, on a balance sheet, uh, primary things I like to look for when I'm just starting to skim and look into researching a company, I like profitability. Um, so I like to look at uh, quarterly earnings, uh, quarterly profitability, um, and look at it over time. So you might look over the last um, eight quarters, which would be two years. Identify if there's a positive trend or a negative trend. Um, if there's a positive trend, that's a good indicator. A negative trend doesn't mean everything is bad, but there's more uh, different. There's more digging you need to do either way. Um, but there, you know, there's always it's always a good indicator to start with. Is the company making money? One of the things that uh, reasons why, as I mentioned before, why I've missed out on uh, Tesla is because it didn't. When I looked at its balance sheet, it, Tesla was not profitable uh, as a company. Uh, and the industry, elect the electric car market, uh, people are, are trying to get into it so early because the electric car market is still tiny. I think it's still less than 1% of U.S. sales. Uh, so there's a lot of fervor for that particular segment of the auto industry to explode. Um, and I'll actually get to, to the next point there because Tesla just had their battery day, I believe, last week. Um so I always look at uh, quarterly dividend or quarterly earnings, profitability. Is it trending positively or negative to negatively? Uh, look at their income. Is their income trending positive, positively or negatively? Uh, so your profitability could be trending uh, positively, but your income or your revenue could be declining, which would which would uh, cause a little um, um, not anxiety, but cause for a little more research. How about that? Um, and then the other piece is liabilities. So on your balance sheet, you're going to also determine liabilities. How much debt is the company carrying? Are they in investment mode? If you see uh, liabilities or debt increasing, uh, you want to understand why. Does it, uh, is it because they're, uh, is it because they're providing a lot of money to research and innovation uh, and innovate into uh, come up with new products and come up with new uh, ways of operating that make them more profitable or are they spending that money frivolously 
Um, so the balance sheet doesn't tell you how they're spending the money or why they're spending the money, but it tells you how much uh, they're how much they're spending, and you can kind of determine whether that company um, fits what you deem to be. Uh, in your framework for profitability and what you're comfortable with from a risk perspective uh, on how much money they might may or may not be spending. Um, you can also determine how much cash they have on hand. So you find that on the asset side. Uh, you can find out how much cash the company uh, is holding on the side. Apple was, has been known for years of holding just cash uh, on their balance sheet. Uh, why does having a bunch of cash on the balance sheet matters? A uh, great example is if you go through COVID, um, do you have enough money to uh, buoy yourself? What does that sound very similar to when we're talking about personal finance? Uh, if we talk about emergency savings, that's just you having cash on hand in case something happens, uh, whether it be positive or negative, uh, that cash is there available. Uh, I guess a, a more negative example would be uh, the u.s airline business um and why it's being reported that not that they're asking to be saved but um, people are advocating for more stimulus and bailout money for uh, those companies because they they haven't they're not holding that much cash uh, to operate their business in case of a downturn so those are the things you want to look at when it comes to a balance sheet how profitable you are track revenues uh, whether they're increasing or de decreasing for both, uh, what kind of assets do they have on the books and what kind of liabilities uh, that they have on the books. Matched with that, check out the annual report. Um, companies have quarterly calls that you can call into where you get to hear from the executives. Uh, annual reports typically uh, are very well written, detailed reports where you can get context from. Um, again, you can find these on the company's websites. Um, the executive teams are listed in these annual reports. They typically discuss uh, headwinds they might be facing in the industry. They'll typically discuss some of the opportunities they believe they can capitalize on in the industry. Um, you might hear uh, some of the things that they're investing in for the future, which might uh, correlate with the increase and uh, liabilities, for instance, if they took out a loan to get access to capital to buy or to invest in those uh, innovations that they believe in, uh, et cetera. So the annual report uh, matched with balance sheets are a great way to help provide some context to some of the numbers you see uh, on a balance sheet uh, in those quarterly income earnings uh, and dividends. So that's the second uh, biggest thing I would say when you're beginning to invest and you're looking at a company um, behind the P.E. ratios, just start investing or start researching, uh, understanding how a company makes money uh, and then hear it from the executives themselves, what their strategy is to take the company forward and how they plan to uh, to be profitable. Third and final thing I would start with if just starting out to investing and I'm interested in investing in individual stocks, you might not need to do these uh, last three things I've mentioned. If you're planning on buying index funds, it's kind of built in for you. Um, but as you can tell from the, the beginning example, um, it's just a more conservative way of looking at things. If you just want to let your put your money in the stock market and let it grow, index funds are the way to go. Um, but if you're looking for a little more, uh, if you're looking for more returns and more gains and more uh, profitability over the long term, 
definitely engage in uh, more research, uh, learning price to earnings ratio. Uh, and then this final thing is actually you got to keep up with trends. Uh, and what I mean by trends is keep up with the news. If you're uh, invested in a, a company like Apple, you should follow Apple on Instagram. You should um, consist constantly be in the industry's uh, news about tech stocks, whether it be Apple, Google, Amazon. Uh, what is it that they're uh, trying to get accomplished this year? Uh, what do their earnings uh, potential uh, looks like? What new technologies uh, are they coming out with? Um, Tesla just had their battery day uh, last week. Very similar to, as you, if you guys know Steve Jobs, as I'm sure you do from Apple. Uh, Apple would do and really innovated and started with doing these huge presentations uh, to unveil their new products like the iPhone. Um, being up on that and being there when it happens, being aware uh, what news is trending around the industry uh, so that you can educate yourself about um, the prospects of the profitability of, for the company that you're investing in uh, for the future. And very easy to very, very, there are a lot of easy ways to do that, even with uh, how good AI is. You'd be surprised how good Google will fill your in your uh, your search engine with articles you're interested in because Big Brother's watching us. But this is a different conversation for a different day. Um, like I mentioned, Fidelity is a great place to go. If you follow that stock, uh, they do have news uh, that's related to uh, Apple or uh, to an industry that populates every day always be looking out for uh, information and data and news that impacts uh, your investment because ultimately it does there might be a um, for example with tesla's battery day if if elon musk were to come out uh, last week and say and i don't know if he did but if he were to come out and say hey you know tesla battery or uh, batteries at tesla uh, have increased by capacity by 50 times oh man you can expect not only Tesla stock to jump, uh, but automakers in the electric car segment to jump because the one of the biggest hurdles uh, for that sector is trying to bring the price down in comparison with uh, gas-powered vehicles. Uh, and some in the one of the best ways that they're probably going to accomplish that is to continue to innovate the technology that's um, regarding the battery. And if you can make the battery cheaper and go further, um, then cars can be sold for cheaper prices, but at the same profitability. And then now, not only Tesla, uh, if the other companies in that uh, sector can get access to that technology, say Tesla sells their batteries to all the other automakers, uh, not only Tesla stands to benefit, uh, but do so does all the other automakers uh, in that space. If you're always aware of that, uh, you can catch that uh, and continue to manage your investment. If you already bought Tesla or a Ford or GM prior to that or Nissan, who are all heavily investing in battery technologies for electric uh, vehicles, it either can be a signal to uh, continuing to buy more. It might be the moment that you decide to jump in, though I would I would say you probably want to wait a little longer because on good news, the market goes up. It's on bad news when the dips come and you want to buy on the dips uh, as long as there's still a solid long term um, 
positive outlook for the industry or company. Uh, but be be up on the trends. And how do you do that? You know, Jason, I don't have enough time. I promise you have time. You just you have to prioritize. Um, and what I mean by prioritize, uh, when I was younger, I would spend a lot more time watching ESPN than I do now. I still like ESPN. I still love Disney. Actually looking at Disney stock because I don't know why I haven't bought it before. But that's another conversation. <laughs> Um, as much as time as I used to spend watching ESPN, because I, you know, I'm a, I'm an avid uh, sports lover. I've converted that time to CNBC when I have access uh, to a television at home. So I learn to prioritize. Business news will start to become your um, just starts to become a part of your everyday life, and you need to start making it a part of your uh, everyday life because the people who keep their um, their fingers on the heartbeat of their industry, whether it be stocks or real estate uh, or crypto or um, retail businesses or uh, for uh, on-premise, off-premise restaurants, which is a big deal now because of the way COVID has come. There are going to be a lot of winners that come out of that industry. The people who pay attention the most are always able to capitalize on the opportunities the soonest and they see the biggest growth. Again, this is just about mindset shift, uh, make time. And it doesn't have to be, oh, I need to, you know, I need to do this five hours a day, 30 minutes a day, uh, read a new article, uh, read a new book, um, join a new uh, media outlet. Uh, I, as I've talked about crypto before, I've discovered there are a bunch of brilliant people who've been in the crypto segment, for example, for many years before me. Uh, and they're doing they've been providing news on it every day um, about changes in the industry and opportunities for it to break out. And you start to realize you start to become a part of these smaller communities uh, who are on the cutting edge of technology uh, in and not just technology, but in their industries, uh, whether that be crypto or stocks or if you're following Apple or Google, uh, because the majority of the population uh, is just not paying that well attention, uh, which is why 10% uh, of the uh, net worth households own 80% of the stocks, just because in an even smaller percentage of them are paying attention to what's happening uh, around them, specifically when it comes to the investments and businesses that they're invested in. Uh, so those are the last three things I would leave you with to start as a beginner uh, in Investing, uh, when you're actually ready to invest in the stock, I encourage you to look around yourself right now. If you're at home, you're in the car, uh, think about the things that you buy in your life. Start with a little bit of money, as I did. Um, if you're just anxious to get started, guarantee you start with a little bit of money because there's a good chance you could lose it like I did uh, on my first investment. Um, but get started. Uh, the best way to learn, I would say, is to learn. Uh, by fire or, or by trial uh, and error. That doesn't mean go bet your, your whole life savings if it's just the beginning. Um, but it will do you it'll do you a great service to learn over the few years because uh, there are others uh, around me who you know didn't have the appetite for stocks and they're still in the same place that they were uh, years ago. Um, at least from uh, in investing from a stock period and even shunning it. Um, I don't I won't shun in an, an investment uh, whenever you listen to my uh, to my podcast, but I will say 
be open to anything, be willing to learn anything. Uh, it's the people who are willing to learn that typically uh, come out ahead uh, and don't close yourself off uh, because you, you might you might just be on a, if you're constantly searching for new information and new um, media outlets and new um, news cycles about an investment, there's a good chance you'll eventually stumble into a room where it's only you and a few other people and maybe you just got there before. Uh, the rest of the market realized there was going to be a takeoff in a few years. So uh, always be willing to be open to learn um, about investments, uh, particularly around stocks and new companies. Uh, and don't apologize. Just go for it. Uh, start with some uh, blue chip stocks to build your portfolio. Uh, I did not talk about diversification, but I will do a, a show on uh, how to diversify and what to think about when you're diversifying. Uh, but as a beginner, just get out there. Uh, the best way to learn is to get to get in the nitty gritty uh, and learn how to do it. Thank you all for enjoying this, uh, for joining me for this episode. It's glad to be back. Uh, as things get back to a new normal, we get back on a, a normal schedule. Uh, I plan to have uh, some more episodes coming for you soon. Uh, but as always, no matter where you are in your financial journey, always take time to be a good Samaritan. Peace.